welcome home. There's always room for one more. Those of you that have been with us uh, for a number of years now, remember we used to do a series called Golf Cart Conversations. It was the first, uh, when we were first in the building. I see Jared, you're sitting back over there. You were part of one of those. Uh, and it's fun. It's a fun way to engage with the topic uh, that we are going to be speaking towards. Uh, and in over the next two months about, we're going to be engaging the topic of mental health. What does the Bible have to say with mental health? And these videos help us to kind of engage that in kind of a playful way. And then we turn to scripture and see what Jesus has to offer in terms of the health of our minds. So a big shout out to the number one soloist. His debut album is coming out this year, Pastor Buster Swoops. I think he did a pretty good job with Cheeseburger. I was just along for the ride. Um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Hope has a name. The series that we're going to be engaging with over the next couple weeks. And in the spirit of mental health, I just want to do a quick check-in with you really quick. On a scale of one to llama, which one of these describes your 2022 so far? Let me see ones, twos, three. You can raise it up or you can comment in the chat if you're watching online. Let me go see which one is you. Is it a one? Is it a two? I see a seven over there. Uh, oh man, I'm bad at math. Nine, three. Okay, we're all across the board. Um, if you're a seven or an eight, we'll pray for you. Um, two looks like you've got it together, right? So just we're just checking in this morning. Just over a month ago, U.S. Surgeon General posted this uh, 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 media uh, news, uh, the press release. And he said this, mental health challenges in young adults are real and widespread. This was December 7, 2021. Yes, that feels like a year and a half ago, but that was just over a month ago. An alarming number of young people are struggling with feelings of helplessness, depression, and thoughts of suicide. And rates have increased over the past decade. And he'll go on to share how we need to take immediate and swift action to make sure that this generation is taken care of in terms of our mental health. And he says the pandemic has not helped us. In fact, the, the rates that were, that were already climbing in this decade skyrocketed because of the year or almost two years that we have been through together. Yeah, mercy is right. We are in a world of trouble in a very literal and a very figurative way. And my question, as I, as I pondered this, as I saw this press release, and as, as several people came to me last semester and said, hey, uh, what's up with mental health? Can we, can we talk about that in a practical way? Does the Bible have to say anything about that? I asked that question myself. Does the Bible say anything about mental health? Because we talk about faith, hope, and love, and Jesus, and like all that great stuff. But for my mind... For, for the, the seed of consciousness that I have, the decisions that I make, is my mind healthy or not? And does the Bible have something to say about that? Over the next few weeks, I will offer to you that it absolutely does. But I'll also encourage you that there are godly people that you can interact with in a clinical setting and in a not clinical setting that can guide you in your struggles. It's Jesus, your therapist, and you together. The Bible is unequivocal in the help that Jesus brings. So open up your Bibles. Matthew chapter 12 is where we are going to start off today. We spent the bulk of uh, last semester, last fall, looking at righteousness by heart, dealing with the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus left us with a decision to make. He says, you choose me or you don't. There is no other way. 
So now, as we look a little bit further in Matthew, Jesus starts to make things a little bit more practical for us. How do we make those decisions? And we pick up the story midstream, Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. What has just happened? Well, Jesus and his disciples are on a wonderful Sabbath morning hike through a grain field. And the disciples are a little bit hungry, and so they reach over to the grain, and they rub it between their hands, and they, they have a little snack, kind of like you'd open up a little Nature Valley uh, granola bar, and the thing explodes everywhere, right? Yeah, so you, they're, they're having a little snack. And the Pharisees are watching Jesus. And they come to Jesus and say, what are your disciples doing working on the Sabbath? And he's like, really? Like, doing a little bit of this is work on the Sabbath? Like, what's going on with that? And he comes to the point where he tells them, he says, Sabbath was not made for, uh, man was not made for Sabbath, Sabbath was made for man. And by the way, I'm the one that's Lord of the Sabbath. So they go on from the grain field, going on from that place. They went into their synagogue where this story has just gone down. And the next, next verse reads, verse 10 of Matthew chapter 12, and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath. The classic question that Jesus has asked several times, he's put in these kind of binding situations that no matter what they, he answers, there might be something that they can pick and pry at. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They're trying to trap Jesus, but they don't do it so well. Story continues on, verse 11. He said to them, points the finger back and he says, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Verse 12, how much more valuable is this person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now think about it for a moment. That sheep has value. Jesus will also be quote, quoted in other places saying, if your ox falls in the ditch or your donkey is in the ditch, there's one of two ways to look at that situation. There is profit to be made in that sheep or in that ox and in the health of that sheep or that ox, right? The economy was done with livestock. And so if your animal was in the ditch, even on Sabbath, you had a financial reason to do work on the Sabbath. Oh, but I'm very altruistic. And I'm just looking out for the poor animal who's in the ditch, right? He says, if you're willing to do that on the Sabbath, how much more valuable is this person in front of me? This, this person, this whole being. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And healing someone falls under the category of doing good. And in verse 13, the story continues. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. Yes, shriveled hand. The, the word that's used here in the Greek is not some congenital uh, uh, defect or birth defect in the man. It was either caused by an accident or by a disease. There was a time when his hands were as they should be. And now Jesus has completely restored the one that is shriveled where you cannot even tell that there has been damage done in the first place. And I would offer to you this morning that the healing of Jesus is full and complete. When Jesus offers healing to you, body, mind, soul, spirit, whatever it is, Jesus' healing is full and complete to where you are restored, to where it looks like there was nothing wrong in the first place. There's no scar, there's no mark, there's nothing. You are totally full and complete. 
Pharisees get a little bit upset. Verse 14. The Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. You know, uh, just your kind of average reaction to somebody healing somebody, right? No, not really. Verse, uh, verse 15. Aware of this, Jesus knows what they're doing. Jesus withdrew from that place. And a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He healed all who were ill. When Jesus offers healing, he not only did it for the man who had the shriveled hand, he also offers it to the crowd that is following after him. And when you look in the Greek, all means all. It's everybody, okay? The healing of Jesus is for everyone. There is no person that Jesus overlooks in that crowd. Everyone comes into healing because of Jesus. And the story continues on. Verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Matthew breaks form and story here. He says, there's something from Isaiah 42 that we need to pick up on. And he quotes Isaiah, verse 18. Here is my servant who I have chosen the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. This is speaking of Jesus. Verse 19, he will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. Verse 20, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through victory. And I wanna pause for a moment on those few words. The word picture in your mind jumping off of the page. A reed that has been bruised, it's maybe bent in a particular way and it's so easy to continue to bend it and break it and say, do away with it. Or a a smoldering wick, one that is almost about to go out. The wax has gone down to the bottom of the glass and it's just, it's, it's almost about to go out. And as Isaiah says that the Messiah, the chosen one, the one who's supposed to come and restore this world, When he looks at a bruised reed or smoldering wick, he will do nothing to break it or to snuff it out. In fact, he will bring justice through victory. I would offer to you this morning that the healing of Jesus is for the tenderest of broken souls. The healing of Jesus is for the tenderest of broken souls. And we can feel it, right? that our health can be very, very fragile. Those of you that have contracted the disease, that's the virus that's going around, it's done something to you. You can feel how fragile your health can be in a very physical way. Then there's this thing by way of illustration called long COVID. Studies are coming out, you contract it and it kind of just like sticks around and there's this brain fog and it does stuff to your mind. And not only the pandemic that we're in, but any other situation that we've experienced. Maybe it's a, a past trauma in our life. Maybe it, it's, it's an accident. It, it's, it's something where you just find yourself completely broken. Body, mind, soul, everything. You are broken. You feel like that, that bruised reed or that smoldering wick that all someone had to do would come and lick their fingers and go, and you'd be toast. Maybe just kind of move their foot and break you as a reed is broken under our foot. 
The SDA Bible Commentary puts it this way, volume five, page 256. Messiah will minister tenderly to the weak, the bruised, and the oppressed. He is a friend to the humble, contrite sinner, to every man and woman who finds himself in need. And it continues on. Men and women who appear to themselves and to others almost beyond hope will find in him the comfort, strength, and courage they so much need. That is Jesus. That is Messiah. His healing is for the tenderest and most broken soul wherever you could possibly be. Our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health may feel like it's waning. You've been there, broken beyond belief in whatever form or fashion. And one of those moments comes for the children of Israel as they're making their grand exodus from Egypt. They're faced with the Red Sea. They seem like they're pinned down on all sides. They see water in front of them and an army racing after them behind. Ever feel like you've been there? Situation in front of you, situation behind you, and got nowhere left to turn, right? And God miraculously parts the water in front of them, and they walk across on completely dry ground. And they turn back around to see where the army is. And as the army makes their way into the sea, the walls come crashing down around them. And the leader of Egypt is no more. And Israel's enemy has been defeated. And they sing this glorious song. Miriam breaks out. She's got her tambourine and she's dancing. And Moses soliloquy, all this stuff. And it's just an amazing scene. But the story's not over. If you Take it just a few more verses, not three days later, after their lives have been miraculously saved, they're brought out into the middle of the wilderness and they are without water. There's no water for miles and they begin to grumble. Like, you brought us out here to die? God, like, weren't there enough graves back in Egypt? And they finally find this one spring of water and they they dip to drink it and it's bitter. It's not going to be good for their health. And they cry out again. And Moses comes before God and says, God, like, come on. You promised that you were going to take care of us. You promised that you were going to do all these things. Could you do something now? And God takes Moses to a a branch and helps him cut it off and says, if you throw that branch in the bitter water called Mara, it will be made sweet again. And he does so when the water is made sweet. And then God turns to the children of Israel and says this in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am not like the Egyptian oppressor. In fact, I'm not even going to bring the diseases and plagues on them, on you. Because I want to be known as a God who heals you. And then if you keep reading Exodus, I invite you to do this afternoon. It's a fantastic read. Chapter 16, chapter 17, uh, God takes them on a walk. Like they get some exercise. They get some sunlight. God provides for them manna, and then they get a little bit tired of that, and he's like, all right, I'll send you some quail. He provides for their physical needs. He gets them out in sunshine. And there's a beautiful, beautiful passage in Psalm 105, 37, that the psalmist is recounting the Israelite experience. 
He brought out Israel laden with silver and gold, and from among their tribes, no one faltered. There was not a single person who had any type of ailment. You can read how their their clothes did not wear out, and they had sound minds and sound bodies because they followed the ways of God. God says, I, the Lord, am your healer. I want to heal you. And wasn't that Jesus' whole purpose in coming to this world? Why the angel would tell Joseph in Matthew 1.21, she will give birth to a son and you are going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that word save there, you could place that anywhere in the other times where Jesus, it says that Jesus healed someone. In the New Testament, salvation and healing come hand in hand. You can chase after the latest and greatest models for reviving your mental or physical health, but if you do not do it with Jesus, there is no power. You can follow the textbook to the T, but Jesus is the one that brings salvation. Jesus is the one who brings healing. Please do it with your therapist counselor, all of those things, but bring Jesus with you. Allow him to journey with you and heal you of whatever your Egypt has been. Whatever stands behind you that seems to just gnaw and tag at you, let Jesus take care of it. Now, it's not just like, you know, sit back and like, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to sing kumbaya for the rest of my life. No, it's going to take some work. It's going to take some changing of routines. It's going to take, take some different ways for you to think about it. But I love how Matthew finishes, Matthew chapter 12, verse 21. He's quoting Isaiah. In his name, this is the prophecy of Isaiah. In his name, the nations will put their hope. In the name of Jesus. That name that means deliver the one who saves, the one who heals. Jesus, we can have hope in that name. Remember, when I was a, a summer camper, I was, I don't know, nine or 10 years old. Glacier View Ranch, anybody go there? Yeah, Glacier View, yeah, a few of you, let's go. I was a camper at Glacier View Ranch, and I remember one summer, I don't know why our, my cabin counselor decided to tell us this, but he told us that, hey guys, I just wanna let you know, like I've been seeing some spiritual activity going on, like I've been seeing demons around here, and like we just need to pray, and like a whole bunch of junior campers are like, what? <laughs> Like, we're on the mountain of God at Glacier View Ranch, and you're seeing all this stuff. Like, no in any sort of way for our minds to process, like, what he had just told us, right? So camp was great during the day. Night was a little bit like, uh, you didn't know who to talk to or whatever. And I remember coming back home, and it wasn't like two or three nights later. Like, I, I just, I couldn't sleep first night. I was like, oh, like, it'll be okay. Like, you know, just, it's messing with my mind. Second night, third night. Finally, I, you know, you did the thing where you walked out of, of your room, and you stand by your parents' door, and you're like, mom because like you want to wake them up but then you like don't want to be rude about it well at least that was like my case it was like mom and she came out and and took me back to my room she's like what's up she didn't actually say that it's just the summary of what she said what's up what's going on and I told her the experience and what our camp counselor had told us she began to unpack for me a little bit of the great controversy and I began to understand that a little bit more and she told me as I'm laying down in my bed nine or ten years old She says, Jesus, that name, whenever you find yourself in trouble, whenever your mind is going places that you feel like you shouldn't, Jesus, that that name, say the name of Jesus. And then she began to sing this song to me, and it stuck with me ever since. I'll sing it in my mind whenever I'm facing a challenge. Jesus, 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 
there's just something, yeah, you know it, about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Here's the high part. Here we go. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. I was dead asleep by the time she finished that. There is hope in the name of Jesus. And I would offer to you this morning that hope has a name. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you've gone through, Jesus is the one that you can come to. And by simply uttering the single two-syllable prayer, Jesus, you have invited his presence into your life. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Elevate Retake. Make sure to stay tuned for the Retake conversation dropping in your feed later this week. You can find us on Instagram at Elevate Retake, and we'd love for you to leave us a voice message over on our Anchor app and engage with our question on Spotify if that's where you listen as well. You can find the links to those things all in the description. My name is Kelvin, and I'll see you next time.